And now, and now, and now, item, 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 item with Tommy Lee. Item with Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee. I'm Tommy Lee, and this is the Item Podcast. It's my random record button for whatever's in my head at any given time. And today, yes, it's one more tribute to Stan Lee, if you'll indulge me. And you clicked play on this, so I'm guessing you might. Stan the Man, part two, item number 123. I know, it was a week ago, and you've heard a lot about Stan Lee already. But if you were a fan of comic books, then you know it's impossible to oversell the importance of the man to the genre. He's carved up there with Superman creators Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, Batman creators Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and Stan's frequent collaborator Jack King Kirby on the side of the proverbial mountain. My friend Craig Merrick and I worked together a little over 20 years ago at South Bend radio station U93. It was a difficult time in our nation's history when the Spice Girls and Hanson singles roamed the earth freely. Well, Saturday night, I would get off the air at midnight and Craig would come on to relieve me. And before I went home, we would sit and talk about comic books for at least a half an hour after Craig played the song from Rocky Horror Picture Show that he always opened his show with. Craig has been collecting since before I was born, and he knows a lot more of the lore and has a more personal relationship with the old comic book stories than I do. So I figured, in the midst of all of what you're hearing about Stan Lee, there was one more voice that deserved to be heard before we stop talking about Stan Lee. And since he doesn't do any social media or anything, I kind of figured it was up to me to get him out there. So here he is. Back in the day, we uh, one of the things that uh, bonded us right away was that we were both huge comic book fans, and we were able to turn each other on to various books over the years while we were working together. But uh, you know a lot more about the deep history of the comics and uh, some of the artists and the writers than I ever have. Well, that's because I'm old, yeah. And that's partially because you're very old. Uh, <laughs> but also, um, you're, you're also a much deeper collector than I am. And um, let's, let's, let's go back to the genesis of what Stan Lee brought to the table. Before there was Marvel Comics, before there was even Atlas Comics, there was Timely Comics in the 1940s and a young guy named Stan Lee. Right. Uh, at that time, he was named Stanley Lieber. Yep, Stanley Lieber. Because that was his real name. Right. And uh, when he started to write comics, he, he wanted to be a writer. He wanted to, he wanted to come out with a great novel, right? And uh, he didn't want he didn't want his real name to be on the com- comic something as pedestrian as that. So he busted up his first name and became Stan Lee, right? Uh, and when he, when he came to Timely Comics, they really had three superheroes that they focused on. Superheroes were still something of a new genre. You had Superman and Batman um, still kicking it over there across the street at DC Comics. Um, I think Wonder Woman was around at that point. Yeah. Um, but all Marvel really had was an android named the Human Torch. Then right. they had Captain America, who um, was about to start waning in popularity because he didn't have Hitler to punch anymore. <laughs> And then we had Namor the Submariner, or Submariner. We've never quite been sure how to pronounce that. Stan said Submariner. Submariner. If Stan says Submariner, then I'm saying Submariner. Okay. Uh, but other than that, that's about all Marvel really had going for it until Stan came along and re- revolutionized the comic book uh, superhero about 20 years later. Yeah. Stan had this, this wondrous... Stan was a happy guy. Yeah. And and he wanted to do something different, so he would do he would well in DC Comics it was it was a happy universe. When I started reading DC Comics, I was like eight and a half or something like that. Right. And the 
comic books were all happy little stories, and the good guys were all pals, and all the men were the same size, and women were three inches shorter. And uh, if you looked at the if you looked at the drawings of like the Justice League, you could lay a board across their heads, and it was all on the same level. Yeah. Um, Except for Wonder Woman. Right, she was three inches shorter. Um, but Stan wanted to do something different. He wanted to make him more realistic. He wanted people that you could believe in. Uh, when he came out with the Fantastic Four, um, these were not four people that got along real well and didn't fight or anything like that. They didn't have uh, identical body types. Right. Uh, the Human Torch and the Thing had scraps almost every issue. Um, Reed Richards at the time was, tr- was chasing after Sue Storm because they hadn't gotten married yet. That was way down the line. Mm-hmm. But it was it was different because... They didn't all sit there and say, oh, you're great, and I'm great, and all this stuff. They were like real people. They were Um, flawed. Yeah. And that was the key to the Silver Age books that Stan Lee came up with. His heroes weren't perfect people. All of them had flaws, and all of them had something about them that made them different. And the books were kind of about how it was okay to be different. Yeah, a lot of it. And um, Stan had this wonderful writing style. The characters might be fighting, but there was this happiness that ran through the book. Right. And that came from Stan. Um, It was a positivity. Yeah. And he tried to be realistic. Um, I saw Stan a couple of times. Um, I think the first time was in the late 1970s. Um, He gave a lecture at, I don't know what the hall was, but it was over at Notre Dame. And at the time, I was living in an apartment not far from Notre Dame, so I walked over and heard him. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a great big crowd, but the people that knew who he was. And one of the things that he pointed out was in the old comics, well, I saw it in a Batman once. Batman looks up and says, it is he! Nobody talks like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and Stan, Stan says, you know, if you walk around the corner, you don't say, it is he, going, holy cow, who's that? Or something like that. And there was there was humor with it, but he was trying to get the realism, which made the reading a lot more entertaining. Right. Um, he also wasn't afraid to play with things. Um, he got an idea. He wanted to do a character called Spider-Man. And the powers that be are, are going, you can't write about spiders. They're yucky. And yeah. Dan's going, but this is a great story. And he had this story. He says, I'll tell you what. Amazing fantasy Number 15 is coming out, like, next month or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're going to cancel the title after 15. So let's put it in the, as the story in Amazing Fantasy 15. And if you're right and it bombs, it's not going to hurt anything. No big loss. Anyway. Right. And we'll get a chance to see how it goes. And so, begrudgingly, they uh, printed the story, and it took off. Yeah. They and got th- letters. And what's funny is they didn't really know until months later because the the comic sales numbers took what like half a year, seven or eight months back then Something to come like in. That, yeah. So it it was like seven or eight or nine months before they knew that they had a hit on their hands, and then it was like, whoa, we need to put a put his own book out. Indeed, he was Spider Man was really the first superstar of Marvel Comics. I mean, the rest were good. Yeah, but Spider Man was the one who started showing up every place. Um. He got great staff. I mean, the original team uh, of Lee and Ditko, because right. Ditko's artwork was edgy enough that it really worked well in the strip. Mm-hmm. Um, really.
really took off. And they came up with great ideas. I mean, I remember, I think the first Spider-Man I picked up off the stand was like Amazing Spider-Man number four, which was the Sandman story. And I'm going, this is a cool character. Yeah. I always liked the Sandman. Um, and Stan had to, had to kind of fight to get things the way he wanted. He didn't always make it. Um, he had this comic book that he wanted to write about mutants. And the mutants, they had, there was a mutant team fighting in a world where they hated mutants. Right. And uh, he wanted to call it the mutants. And <laughs> the powers that be said, who's going to buy that? Nobody yeah. knows what mutants Nobody are. Nobody knows what a mutant is. Right. Exactly. So, so they made him change the title of the X-Men. And the X-Men did okay. Uh, the X-Men actually folded after 66 issues. Mm-hmm. Um, then it made a comeback in the 70s with a new team, and the original right. team eventually came back as a different team, and right. then they, the movies they, hit, and it uh, went crazy. They, when they first came back, it was a reprint book. Yeah. But it was reprints from 67 to uh, right after Giant Size X-Men number one. I don't remember which issue was, but it ran for like 30 issues or so, yeah. just in reprint. Um, that was one of my favorite books. I always liked that. Um, I was lucky when I was a kid. Uh, I worked at my dad's store, and there was this guy that came in. Uh, his name was Ed Trapp, and we were talking about comic books. And mm-hmm. I had been reading DCs, and he'd been reading Marvels. He says, well, let me loan you my comic book collection, and you can read them. And I'm going, really? <laughs> so he says, so he gave, me, he gave me books that would give you an introduction. He says, okay, what would you like to read? He says, I'm going, I'd like to read the X-Men. And he brought in all of them. <laughs> wow, the whole library. Yeah, and next I want to read Daredevil, and he brought in all of them. <laughs> uh, my dad came home from work one day and said, did you have a good day, Craig? I said, I read 35 Spider-Man comics. He says, well, maybe tomorrow will be a better day, and I'm going, I read 36. Yeah. <laughs> but but going, back, going back to Stan, um, he was, the first time I met him, he hadn't achieved what you would call star status yet. Right. He was just this really nice guy. And it wasn't like you were talking to somebody who was a comic book professional. It always felt like you were hanging with your bud. Because mm-hmm. Stanley was friendly and outgoing and tried to um, keep down on the people level and, and make them happy. He said one of the stories he told was um, back before Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, it was rare that they would get a letter for for a comic book that was printed. Dan says, we'd get a letter in and everybody would read it and we'd pass it around the office and post it on the bulletin board and we'd write the kid back. And like he, he wrote in like there was a staple missing from my comic book, so we'd mail him a staple. And, <laughs> but, but he was great. And great. the first time after he went through, basically what he went through was uh, the origins of the older characters. Mm-hmm. The discussion finished, and Stan went back behind the stage and sat down at one of these little desks that they had in classrooms and signed autographs. Wow. And he didn't care what you brought back. Um, some kid in front of me had, like, Strange Adventures, which was a DC comic, and Stan signed it and says, there you go, son. And I got him to autograph my... He had finished uh, Origins of Marvel Comics, which came out in 74, which was the first... Six or seven, it was a trade paperback with the first six or seven characters that he did, and he signed mine. And I had to take a buddy of mine along, and he signed his too. And he was he was just totally engaging and amenable, and he was he was fun. It felt like it felt like he was your friend. 
Right. Uh, I also saw him at what is now WizardCon in Chicago. Um, and he was up with Jim Shooter talking about stuff. It was funny because the, the panel goes on, and somebody walks up and hands him a note and sits down, and Stan opens it up and looks at it, and pulls it back up and sits down. And they finish the discussion, He says, and Stan says, wait a minute, and he picks up a note, he says, I've been asked to say, face front, enough said, and excelsior, and the audience explodes. <laughs> I mean, there was like a wave of energy that shot across the room. Stanley just hollered excelsior. He absolutely adored his fans and always made time for them. Yes. Yes, he was he was terrific. Uh, he had he was doing. I think he'd set up how enterprises he used for movie projects and whatnot. And while he was in the Chicago area, he was looking at he was Joliet State Prison or something because he was he was looking for a background for something. I don't remember what. So he told the fans as he was leaving the panel, you know, well, I'm going to jail tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> the next day. I'm walking down the hall at the convention center, and he's walking down the hall, and I said, Stan, how was jail? And Stan was back. He says, I didn't think they were going to let me out. (laughs) (laughs) The best thing about Stan was that he was more than an ambassador for comic books as a whole. He was also kind of a huckster for comics. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) Considering that this was a medium that he didn't want to work in originally, he embraced it, and he became just an absolute recognizable legend within the field, and with good yes. reason. Yes, absolutely. Um, and one of the reasons that he became such a good spokesman was he spoke to the people. Um, we, you've been to conventions. Yeah. There, there are times people would get up. There was at least one guy, and I don't remember who it was, and it's probably a good thing. He got up plug Marvel, and he was telling about all these really pretty books that you could go out and buy, and you could buy this, and you could buy that. And that's all he wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. And when Stan would get up and tell you about things, he's going, I've got this great story I want to share with you. And it was always two friends, or several hundred friends, talking yeah. about something that was going to be really interesting that he was excited about, and he wanted to get you excited about, too. And it felt different, and it felt great. Stan always left you feeling good. Yes. Whether he was talking to you or writing for you. Correct. And that was the relationship he had with his readers. I mean, we all remember Stan's soapbox. Yeah. Um, I was never fortunate enough to get a no prize in the mail, but I was also always a little shy about writing a letter, too. Um, but he he embraced the fans. He Even when he was no longer writing the books, he kept a hand in the editorial process, and he certainly kept a hand in with the with the crowd. And, uh, I mean, some of my finest, uh, deepest memories of comic books are reading Stan Lee talking directly to me as the reader. And he'd been out of the game for ages at that point as a writer. And there were many other great things that Stan did, just that it wasn't necessarily comic books, but it was in the genre. He did a... I think it was a syndicated TV show ran two seasons called So You Want to Be a Superhero. Mm. And they brought in eight or nine real people who had wanted to be a superhero, and they got costumed up and went out and did stuff. And it was really strange, but it was so much fun to watch because the people that were going to get kicked off fastest were the ones that weren't into it. I mean, they had some guy come up and say he had all these visual powers and stuff like that and was preaching how great he was. He was going about second or third show that season. But the 
people that got into it, and most of them were comic book fans of Stan stuff, mm-hmm. uh, they went on it, and it was really entertaining. And Stan was there for every show, because he moderated off-camera, and they had a headquarters that they kept the contestants in. And Stan would come up on a big-screen TV at the start of the show and, and give them, you know, this is your mission this week. Um, I never missed the show. I felt kind of bad that it only lasted two seasons. Right. The people that won got their own comic book <laughs> for for one issue. Wow. Uh, Dark Horse put it out. To be perfectly honest about it, that's but, great. But that was that was one of the things I remember about Stan. Um, I liked his appearances in the movies. Oh yeah, and we've still got more of those to look forward to. He filmed a number of them. Um, knowing that he was really starting to slow down now that he was in his 90s, and yeah. he wanted to still uh, have a foot in there, which I appreciate. Yeah, and he was on Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yep, he was great on Big Bang Theory. Yes. I mean, he's he's just a guy who doesn't want to, who didn't want to slow down and never did. I mean, right. he, he was working hard right up to the end. Right, and he was perfectly cast as Stan Lee. Yeah, very true. He, uh, I, I would honestly say that the greatest character Stan Lee ever created was Stan Lee. There were, that's that's a, that's a, that's a good way to put that. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, he he gave us a lot of memorable characters over the years, but he himself was one of the best. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the characters, you being a, a, a huge collector um, and um, pretty much my comic book guru, whenever I have questions, um, I know you've got a deep history with Marvel. What's your go-to book? If there's a, and not necessarily character, but if there's a if there's one particular series that you would point at and say this is my favorite from Marvel, what do you think it would be? Oh wow! Um, well, right off the top of my head, and it was in their epic line. They did a book called Dreadstar by Jim Starlin. Ooh, and interesting I, choice. And I didn't, I didn't have any, I haven't had anything to read, so I pulled. I, Somehow, Dreadstar got mentioned, and I'm going, I want to read those again. So I'm on about issue 55 now. They're, cool. they're over at the desk where I read, going through the pile. Um, X-Men is high on the list, but X-Men, X-Men got out of control. I yeah. mean, it, it was a wonderful book, but there was a period of time uh, back when Image Comics came out. 90s. If they busted the X-Men off separately, the top four comic companies would have been Marvel, DC, Image, and X-Men. Yes. There were that many books. Yeah. Um, another one that I have great fondness for is Daredevil. Yeah, I, I dearly love especially the Frank Miller run and the stuff that came out uh, right around the time you're talking about from the 90s. I love the 90s Daredevil stuff. Well, it's uh, embarrassing. I had a complete set of Daredevil. Wow. Uh, and then I got divorced. <laughs> and yeah, that'll happen. Right. So she took some of the good comic books, which was fair. Right. And she took Daredevil. And the instant those were done, I'm going, why did I give those away? You missed the comics more than you missed her. Well, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but I went out and I rebought the first 167 issues. And I couldn't find the one after that, so I kind of quit. But I've got other parts. Wow. But they still read well. Um, yeah, they do. John Romita oh, uh, God, yeah. said he liked doing Daredevil best of all, which which I was surprised to hear because he was hot on Spider-Man. And I sit here going, you like Daredevil better than Spider-Man? And he says, well, with Spider-Man, I followed Steve Ditko. 
And yeah. nobody liked me because I followed Steve Ditko because yeah. nobody liked Ditko. He says, well, I came in on Daredevil. It was all his own. People were happy. Yeah. yeah. I'll say this for him, by the way. Um, stepping into those shoes for Ditko um, on Spider-Man, he knew, and I'm sure Stan had a lot to do with it, that the first handful of issues he needed to continue to do the Steve Ditko style, and he did, and he did it really well, and he slowly transitioned to his stuff, and I always respected him for that. It was a respect to what had come before, to the character, and to the audience. Yeah. Um, again, back when I, when I was looking for something to read, because I'm having trouble getting into a lot of the current stuff, Yeah, but... A friend of mine from Texas mentioned, yeah, I remember those old Spider-Mans and stuff. He says, the Masterwork series. And I'm going, I have the five first issues of Amazing Spider-Man in the Masterwork series. So I reread the first 50 issues. Ah, there you go. And there's some, I didn't realize when stuff started coming in, Mary Jane was around a long time before she actually ever appeared. Oh, yeah? Because, well, she started in like the first 15, 20 issues. Mentioned. Because Aunt May's friend, uh, Mrs. Watson, Watson, right, senior moment, uh, <laughs> had this lovely, lovely niece that she wanted Peter to meet. Uh, Mary Jane didn't show up until Romita took over the book. Right, it was the 70s, was wasn't like, it? So the character had been mentioned for at least three years before the character showed up. I'll be damned. And everybody liked Mary Jane. Of course. And I love that he got away with using the name Mary Jane for a character at the height of the marijuana culture in yeah. the U.S., which was fantastic. Um, if you have to pick one Marvel character as your absolute favorite over all the others, who is it? Oh, wow. I struggled with this question, too. Wow. I mean, historically, I was a big X-Men reader, and I love Daredevil, and I'm a, I love the Hulk. Uh, currently, my big obsession is Doctor Strange. I mean, I bounce around. Um, a lot of people default to Spider Man, and that's that's kind of a that's that's a that's an easy answer. It's a great answer, but it's uh, it's hard to just kind of narrow it down to just one when there's such a wealth of them. But if you had if to, had, if I had to pick one, mm -hmm. it would probably be Daredevil. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured you were going to go with because because Ed Trap loaned me his collection, and I sat down and read him, and I'm going, this is fun. I like this. And they changed the costume like in issue seven or eight because he was in that that god awful yellow and red, yellow, yellow, and, yellow and black. Oh, yellow and black. That's right. And yeah, because and somebody in the comic book says, "Why does he wear that ugly suit?" And of course, he's got super hearing, so yeah. <laughs> he goes and shows another costume. That's like but, he didn't know he was blind. You know, <laughs> not right. But he could. I think that was where he could tell the texture. The texture would give him the different colors. Right. 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 Some of it was kind of hokey, but it sure was fun to read. Yeah. That's true with a lot of it, especially from uh, from the old days. But it was, there was a purity to it and just a beauty to the writing. And uh, it, was, it was designed to make you feel good. And that's what the books did. And that's what Stan was best at. Right. Um, one other thing that Stan mentioned, I think the first time he was up lecturing and I heard him was, he liked alliterative names. Yes. Which is why you have Reed Richards and Peter Parker and Warren Worthington III. J. Jonah Matt Jameson. Finn Fang Foom, one of my yes. personal favorites. Yes. Yeah. Every when, when I write a book and I can't think of a, a character name, anytime that you see me throw a name in that's got the same initials, it's yeah. kind of an alliterative tribute to Stan Lee. That's nice. Yeah. I, I love that he used to do that. 
he said he said he just really enjoyed doing that, which is why there were so many of them. Yeah. It's uh, it's always good to talk comic books with you, my friend. It's uh, it's been a while. This is we're at we're at about twenty five minutes. This is about how long it used to take me to go home after my show ended and yours started. Yes, because we were doing this very thing uh, twenty years ago. So, right. <laughs> it's of course, always of course, fun. Of course, what we were reading to start out with was Astro City. Which... Yes, Kurt Busiek's Astro City, which um, of course just ended recently. Right. But thankfully, he's coming back. Yes. Again. In different format. In different format. This is the seventh relaunch? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think we're up to that. And um, again, Astro City, not a Marvel book, but in that vein of, uh, of you know, taking the, the real world and the real people's existence and trying to make it fantastic, which is exactly what Stan did. His characters weren't super heroic as much as they were real. Yes. And grounded in reality. And that was the, that was the cool thing about Spider-Man. He didn't have a cushy job and, uh, you know, the, the cute wife, and he snuck off at night to fight crime. He was a teenage kid with a lot of problems. He had acne. He had homework. And he was always afraid of getting caught. And the, the people in the high school where he was going to high school didn't like him. Yeah, and they used to pick on him. I mean, and uh, the X-Men, they were incredibly different and surrounded by people who persecuted them for being different. Gee, I wonder if anybody could relate to that in the 1960s. Right. And they started out... Um, I think Jack Kirby did the first issue or so with Stan, and they were kind of close to the Fantastic Four, and then Stan got smart and changed them around, and they were a lot more entertaining. Because the Beast sounded like the thing in the first issue or two. Yeah. And suddenly he had this wonderful vocabulary. Yes. <laughs> Became a scientist. Yeah. If there was a character, this, this one just occurred to me, and I don't know why, but this is a quick question for you. Um, is there a character that hasn't had a movie yet that you'd like to see have a movie, or maybe one who's had one that you'd like to have a better one? Because there's a lot of rumors. Oh, a better one? A better one. Because obviously. That's a gimme. Yeah, that's a gimme. That's Daredevil. That's Daredevil. But um, uh, I, would, I was so excited. My youngest kid bought me tickets for Christmas, I think it was, when it was coming out. So we went to see it, and I walked out of there going, It was horrible. Crap, man. <laughs> it was 02, 03, I forget when it was. It's, it was just so bad. And then they, then they punished us further with Electra. Yes. It's like, wh what did we do? <sighs> but um, there are a lot of rumors floating around that, uh, that they might be trying to take another swing at the Fantastic Four if they can get it out of Fox's hands and into right. Marvel's hands. That would be interesting. I'd like to see a Namor movie. I think a Submariner movie would be interesting if you can do like a version of Aquaman that doesn't have the Aquaman backstory. Right. But I want to see him as a villain. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's yeah. kind of how he started off. He was. Yeah, definitely. He, he wasn't usually fighting alongside the Human Torch back in the 40s. He was fighting with him. Yeah. Yeah. But, but when they put him in the Fantastic Four, he was the bad guy. Exactly. So that would be interesting. But yeah, Daredevil, that's a gimme. Um, if they can write Daredevil like they write the Netflix series, that would be fun to read or fun to watch. I still haven't seen that. My my kid has, is getting me a copy of that. She's told me, but it took forever. It didn't get there in time for my birthday, so I think I'm getting it for Christmas. Ah, it's that. it is worth your time. You will enjoy it. I'm sure. Um, actually, as I'm reading it now and I'm really enjoying it, I think it would be interesting to do Dreadstar. A Dreadstar movie. I'm not familiar with Dreadstar. I'm going to have to dig into that. You've inspired me to look into that. Okay. Yeah. It's it's good stuff. Jim Starlin, it was an original. 
it bounced all over the place. Right. They had Epic Illustrated, and the backstory was written in there as a serial, which went through all these different characters. And finally, the last one was Vance Dreadstar, who's the star of Dreadstar. Mm. And then he went into his own book, and they set up his little team, and they had an intergalactic war between the Church of the Holy Instrumentality, or the Holy Church of the Instrumentality, and the monarchy. And Starlin was at uh, a convention once, and Dreadstar was just starting up. It was about issue six or seven. And they said, well, how long can this war go on? And I can't give you the exact number, but it was like, Starlin says, well, it should be over issue 10. And everybody's going, really? <laughs> and he, yeah, he says, and, and then we have to go from there. Right. And they did, and they went on and had this, big fight thing, and at the end of the big fight, Dreadstar gets clobbered, and then they have this, like, dream issue, and he wakes up, and uh, Eddie the Catman, who is one of my favorite characters out of the book, is with him when he wakes up. He says, how you doing? He says, not too bad. How long have I been out? Eddie goes, two years. <laughs> oh, and they man. start up fresh from right there. I'll be damned. It wasn't, it wasn't quite as good a story as the original story was, but it was a great way to Get right. a fresh start on it. That's cool. Very, very cool. Well, it was always it's always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend, and uh, I'm looking forward to, at some point in December, we get together and see Aquaman. Kim and I were just talking about it. Cool. That we need to uh, make sure. And Craig, is, Craig is the person I have to see the comic book movies with. It's just, you know, when, when I don't see one with you, it doesn't feel right. Right. Well, I've, I've gone with other people, but it's not as much fun as it is with you and Kim. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's it's just one of those things we need to go together. Right. So Aquaman we're looking forward to. We've got some great movies next year. They're going to wrap up the uh, Avengers storyline uh, with Thanos after we get Captain Marvel. And then we've got, um, God, I think there's a Dark Phoenix movie. There's a lot coming out next year. Another good year for movies. Yeah, absolutely. Craig Merrick, uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Another uh, grizzled radio veteran locally uh, here in South Bend, Indiana. And um, uh, the comic book genius extraordinaire and uh, a guy whose collection just makes me salivate every time I see it. So <laughs> You should have seen it before the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Always a pleasure, Craig. We'll talk to you again soon, my friend. All right. Thanks a lot. This has been the Item Podcast, written and produced by me, Tommy Lee. And it comes out now and then, whether it needs to or not, here at Audio Boom and at iTunes and Google Play and a bunch of other places. Item is part of the opt-in on-demand family of podcasts. Enough said. This has been Item with Tommy Lee. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.